Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the New Media Show. My name is Todd Cochran. Of course, I want to welcome my co-host, Mr. Rob Greenley. Good morning, Rob. How are you? Doing terrific, Todd. It's great to be back. It's a it's a Thanksgiving weekend. Yeah, so, you're yes. back. You're back in your other house. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I am, and it's and it's not the ideal setup. That's for sure. Oh, it's, okay. That's well. Anyway, it's uh. I was like, I saw you uh, dial in this morning. I was like, well, that's a different view from behind you. So yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we you had uh, two two mic. You were really doing super podcasting this morning. You were using two mics. Two mics. Yes, my webcam was picking me up too. That was creating an interesting uh, audio dynamic. <laughs> yeah, I was getting a little. I was getting this nice like uh, meeting hall echo, and at the same time, uh, was getting a little buzz. But everything it's <laughs> it's all good now. We're up and running. But. Hey everyone, welcome to the show, and uh, yes, I hope everyone in the United States had a good Thanksgiving, and uh, hope you had uh, plenty of, I, I don't know, uh, Rob, I got up on uh, on Thursday morning, and my wife woke up about an hour earlier, and she'd already peeled the potatoes, yes! <laughs> <laughs> That's the brutal job, isn't it? Yes. I, and she had bought the small ones, and I said, "Why did you buy the small ones? The bigger ones peel easier." So she threw me a bone, and and so I started cooking. And you know, by the time you get done cooking, you're kind of like, "Do you really want to eat?" You know, but yeah, by by one or two o'clock in the afternoon, I was in a, a food coma. But I I did not get any of the. Uh, of the, I was trying to find it, but didn't have enough time. The toe turkey, or whatever you call it, the toe turkey. turkey. <laughs> faux turkey. Faux turkey. Did not find the faux or, turkey. <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't get to try it. Or, but. or toe turkey. Yes. Yeah. But I got a little recipe for everyone that's out there. And this is a family secret recipe. And it's something that you may not be able to do this year, but you can do next year. We make what's known as the world famous turkey burgers following Thanksgiving. Uh, so what we do, now this is a very interesting mix, and this is obviously not new media show related, but I, I always buy or have her, my wife buy an extra big turkey. So, you know, there's four of us here. You know, we can't eat very much. Um, and you're left with leftovers from days unless you have friends over, whatever. So anyway, we take about half the turkey, brown and white meat, and... Um, and essentially kind of like really soup don't don't grind it like super shred it so right. it's real fine but we don't don't put it in a food processor but we just shred the turkey and then right. we take um all of the leftover stuffing about uh maybe well it, it, the proportion should be like 50% turkey 20% stuffing uh 20% gravy throw in a half a can of cranberries and um, appropriate amount of gravy with the turkey and you mix that all together <laughs> and you come up with this. It's, it's the best way to describe it is, is like a turkey paste. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's that's perfect for making a turkey kind of burger. Right. right. Yeah. So you take right. that and you, you know, you package that all up in, you know, whatever your favorite, uh, you know, freezer proper, storages and it used to be Tupperware, but I don't even know if they're still in business, but you put that all in packages and you freeze it. And then over the next several months, you pull a package out and you have enough for four or five sandwiches and toasted white bread, Miracle Whip. This is the key. 
not mayonnaise, Miracle Whip, and that turkey on top of there, and you basically have Thanksgiving in a sandwich. It's freaking fantastic. <laughs> it sounds like a great bachelor solution, right? <laughs> it is no, it is like I've no, we've done this for forty years, you know. Oh, so, yeah. whoa, wow. yeah. When, this was a kid when I was a someone in my family came up with it when I was a kid, or they got it from someone who knows. But it is absolutely the best. You got that turkey, you got the the stuffing, a little bit of cranberry in there, mashed potatoes, and some gravy. To, you know, not a lot of gravy, but. <laughs> Oh man, it's freaking fantastic! So anyway, there's the there's your your cooking. Uh... Yeah, there's your holiday story <laughs> that uh, we had to lead off with. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. But uh, <laughs> so uh, you know, I don't know. I I completely disconnected, and for the first Thanksgiving in um, years, we did not have a lot of podcasters panicking on Thanksgiving day. I, I had uh, no like emergency tickets that came in. Usually there's something, you know, and I kept, right, you know, right. you keep looking at emails, sneaking a look and saying, you know, you're like, you know, is, is the sky going to fall? And it was quiet. So my team got to enjoy Thanksgiving without having yeah, to deal with the, you know, a, a podcaster that's losing her mind. Yeah, I mean, I mean, a lot of podcasts they find that they have extra time, so right? They can work on their stuff, right? Right yeah. during the holidays. Yeah, yes. and, and then they 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 there's like it's like three o'clock in the afternoon or whatever. They've had turkey, they've had their nap from their food coma, and they're so oh, I'm like going to work on my show, and then they they see something, and it's like, oh my god, I need to support to send a support ticket, <laughs> <laughs> and they do, and. uh and then it's like, I need help now. And, uh, <laughs> but it was good. exactly like that too. Right? Yeah. 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 <laughs> hey, Evo. Hey, Rick, welcome to the show. Hey, you know, if you are uh, watching on any of our live streams, because we're everywhere from Twitter, drop a heart on the stream. We would appreciate that. If you're on Facebook, hit a like, say hello. Uh, it's all about the, the promo folks. So promo the show on live. It's a, uh, and make sure you say hello if you're in a chat room. Don't be a stalker. <laughs> right. <laughs> That's right. This is an yeah. interactive medium. That's a fact. Yes. So this week, it's kind of a, you know, it's the rest of week. yeah, the rest of the world moved, and and the United States, like from Wednesday afternoon, shut down. Right. So it. Uh, I I know I was making calls Wednesday, and I I forgot. You know, I start making calls here Wednesday morning my time. And it's already noon on the east. And I'm like, people are not answering the phone. And I'm like, oh, yeah, they're already, they busted out. They're, they're gone for the day, you know. Um, sometimes offices have their own little turkey things or have a some sort of, you know, food event. And, yes. uh, and then they shut down. So, yeah, slow yeah. week. It was very, a very slow week. But it, the only thing that really jumps out at me is some, you know, a topic that was raised um, this past week was an article that came out that was talking about duration of a podcast, <laughs> and I thought it was an interesting kind of take on it because okay. um, I think it was the folks from Panoply, I think, uh, or it was an article in the new podcast business journal, but. Uh, that was talking about how a, a podcaster needs to earn their show length. I don't mm. know if you saw this or not. Tom. No, I didn't. So give me the it's Reader's like, Digest version. Well, it was this philosophy that was put out there that uh, as a new podcaster, you should start out with a short show. Hmm. And 
you should basically earn the the length of your show, you know, to make it longer by 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 somehow building your relationship with your audience so people will listen longer. So it's almost like a the philosophy was it was like a trust relationship, right? So the the more the listener trusts you or likes your show, the longer you can earn the length of your show. So so what's your immediate thought on that when you hear that? Oh, you know, I think if I think back to when I started, I was doing 40 minutes in the beginning, uh, 30 to 40 minutes, because I really yep. didn't know. Yeah. And I would say that my show time length, I grew into that. Right. Um, I mean, it is true that the longer you podcast or the longer you create a show, there is a lot of kind of momentum uh, that that starts to take over. Because I saw this, you know, with my own show many years ago, that it it tended to get longer. It just kind of naturally yeah. happened. You know, what's weird about my show is that, um, and I've got someone helping me right now with the production. Uh, I do a, a certain amount of my own looking through, making sure that stuff that I'm interested in wasn't missed, but mm-hmm. the heavy lifting on the finding the articles is done by what I'm calling my executive producer. Um, and he, he and I really jive from the beginning, but he was also a, a longtime listener of the show. But when I was doing my own production, I kind of knew where I needed to be based upon how many uh, windows I had opened in my browser. <laughs> I could tell uh, or how many tabs I had opened in my browser. I could kind of tell where, if I was going to be heavy or light and um, and knowing that the show would typically go after I'd established it for a while it would go about 70 minutes. You know, I tried to respect that time and actually apologize when I went over because the listener's time is valuable and, and they've allocated so much time for you. So, um, but one dynamic of the show is is because I only do audio only when I travel, like I'm going to fly out tonight to the East Coast. My shows next week will be 55 to 60 minutes, maybe even 50 minutes. And it's because I'm not doing any video stuff and um, I get to the get to the point more. So my my on the road shows tend to be shorter than when I'm home. But I've also found that my show now is more closer to the 60 to 65 minute mark than the 70 minute mark. It's I just I don't know. I think you grow into it. I and I don't right. know, earn your, earn your audience. Hmm. Or earn your listening length, right? With earn your, your listening length. I think right. a lot of it has to do too is in the beginning, I call it battle rhythm. Right. You know, I know my show, the first nine to 12 minutes will be spent on nothing that is tech. I, I, I break all the rules. I talk about what's going on here what I'm up to, what's been happening this week. You know, what's, you know, I, I, I spend some personal time with the audience before I get into the content. So for, you know, I, I break every rule, but that's the way my show was always structured was the first 10 minutes was jibber jabber and then content. So I think you have to find your battle rhythm. You have to find out what works and, and make sure you're not running out of content. 
And I think that's that's an important takeaway too. Is is that there are no real rules here. I mean, you can do whatever you want with your show. I think what people tend to want to do is look at you know what are the the trend lines that we see in the numbers, right? Um, mm-hmm. But but I think this duration thing of starting out um, short and then earning your length with your audience, um, there's probably a little bit of truth to that. Um, but I also think you need to think about, you know, what's the content that you're producing and not being real rigid on that. Yeah. Mike, um, yeah. Mike in the chat room says, I think we've established that if a show goes over, it just does stop assigning what the viewer feels is suddenly not interesting or worthy. If you have three hours of engaging content, that's what you've got. And the listener has direction in a pause button, right? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to, uh, say, I'll argue I'm going to play devil's advocate here a little bit on that content content mm-hmm. comment, Mike. And this, I want to make sure we get these in before they roll off. So let me come back to that in a second. He says that your habitual rule breaker is a good thing. That's why I'm amazed that you care about length. Just do the program. It happens. Well, I start getting hate email when I go over, like and if I get to an hour 15, you know, I start saying, Hey, the show was a little long. Well, you've also established a, a history, a long history, right? And and I think it's also about expectations of your audience too. Yeah, they they build it into their schedules. You know, I've had uh, people comment all sorts of perspectives on this. Yeah, is that if your show's too short, then people complain. If the show is too long, then they complain. But it's different yeah. people that complain. But I, <laughs> I what, typically yeah. I get the most complaints is when I go over and right. maybe I've disrupted someone's commute. Uh, they wanted to right. listen to the last part of the show. Um, Rick is yeah, saying like those. Outback, like Outback Steakhouse, no rules, just right. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, discretion rather than direction. I, I, you know, I, I truly do do believe though that you have to respect the the listener's time. Um, and if I know I'm going to go long, I usually will kind of know at the beginning of the show because I'll know based upon the amount of stuff. It says, "Hey guys, it looks like I've got a lot of stuff. Probably going to go long today." I give them kind of a heads up in the beginning. You know, they probably, I, I don't ever look at the time of a show. I can just go look for the episode, bam, and then well, let me hit that and let me go. So, but again, it's going, and then really we're not talking about what you're talking about. What you're referring to, Rob, is the, you got to earn your time. I, you know, I, I think from my show format, I laid out the progression and I think we all do that in our minds after the 10th show we know the progression that we're going to and I've got a little document here it hasn't changed in 10 years you know it's got uh, uh, boom short intro it's got uh, well I did add recently that you know the top five things I'm going to be talking about a welcome mm-hmm. welcoming new listeners how to subscribe how to watch how to listen more live the chat room Email, social contacts, partner shows, sponsor, life content. You know, that's kind of how my show's laid out. My other show, this show, we just kind of go. We don't even, we don't even know what we're going to talk about before we start. Right. And I do hear people talking about how you should, you know, get right to the, the topics of the show. Don't, 
don't talk about personal stuff at yeah. the beginning, but you're, you're an example of how that's different. And I think it's, it's also something to think about too. If you think about the type of medium this is and what, what the expectation of your audience is. I mean, Todd, you've, you've self-filtered your audience based on your approach to how you podcast. And I, I think over time people expect that from you and they tune in for that. Um, the people that didn't like the fact that you talked about personal stuff that they, they kind of self-filtered out over the years, I think. Well, in new folks, I haven't gotten one in a couple of years, but I used to get email from new folks all the time. Why are you spending 10 minutes at the beginning of the show? Why right, don't you get to right. the show? And my explanation is that's the way the, the genesis of the show has done from the beginning. It's how I feel, stay connected to the audience. It's, mm -hmm. you know, it's my way of being personable. And um, if you don't like the personality stuff, just there's this cool little slider thing on the podcast. You can slide up to 10 minutes and you can jump in um, and skip the stuff. But please still support the sponsor. <laughs> right. right. You know, so I, I again, I, I, the best thing is here is there's no rules and we can do what we want to do. And that's the beauty yeah. of it. I, if I was doing a a radio program, there's no way a director would let me spend 10 minutes just blah. Right. I mean, if you think about radio as a, as a very separate and distinct type of medium, which it, I believe it is. I mean, it's, it's a very tune in, tune out medium. Yeah. People are flipping stations. People are looking for different things. Podcasting is a completely different thing. You don't get people flipping between podcast mm -hmm. episodes that quickly. So people are pretty, pretty committed. If they're going to listen, they're going to listen. If they choose not to, sure, they can turn it off and find something else. But right. it takes, it takes a little bit more effort to do that in podcasting. But the person that actually I'm I'm talking about here was more Andy Bowers, who's who's been on this show before. Right. Um, his comment was that start shorter, earn longer. Was his comment? You know, I'm pulling it from an article off of the podcast Business Journal. Right. And um, and he recommends to start out with a 20 to 25 minute episode um, as you're starting your podcasting um, process. And, and, and he just thinks that over time you can kind of maybe go a little longer, a little longer. And, and, and that he thinks that that's how a lot of shows should, um, should grow their content. And I, I, I guess it's at the highest level of this, it's kind of a little hard to argue with that. Um, but I think it depends on you as a expert in whatever area that you're focused on in your podcast. I think if you're kind of a newbie, that may not be bad advice. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, he just thinks that, uh, you know, the first few episodes of a new podcast that's 95 minutes long or something like that may be a little too much for trying trying to build a, a new beginning audience, right? Yeah. And there's probably something to that. Greg says with most, with most media, the pace is more important than the length. Uh, I think the pace and the content yeah, pace is important. <laughs> yeah. Sure. Right. Yeah. I don't know what pace is. It just uh, how fast you're talking or how quickly you're, you're going through topics. I don't, I'm not sure about what pace really means, I guess. Um, and what's your feeling on that? Topic? Well, you know, I have a certain pace to my show, you know, right. again, I feel it's, I, I, and I don't really, it's hard to describe except it's battle rhythm. And, right. 
if I'm, if, you know, I have like this segment that I call the soapbox, if I'm pissed off about something that's going on in the space and I want not this about the tech space or something going on, I say, I'm getting my soapbox and the octave probably will go up a little bit on loudness and, you know, to kind of, you know, signify that soapbox, you know, feel of some guy standing in the street corner to scream at the top of his lungs. Mm-hmm. Um, but, um, uh, you know, Mike says, I love that you encourage fast forward button, but what about the pause button for those complaining about a long program? You know, I, I think the folks on the, the folks that are complaining about the long program or want to listen to the whole show, <laughs> but they, and it's not about they're complaining the show's too long. They're they're I think the most of the complaints I've, I personally have ever heard is that I've interrupted something that they they wanted to get the whole show, but they couldn't get the whole show because maybe the commute wasn't long enough. And again, yeah. I've said yeah. for a long, 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 long time, and podcasters need to understand this, is that listeners, dedicated listeners, the P1s, that's a radio term, I guess, right? The P1s, they build you into their life. Right. And they're going to be there Boom. I mean, I have people, there's emails in my inbox before I get out of bed the following morning from someone that's got a comment or feedback or whatever. So people are listening right away. Um, Rick says the 25 minute starting point wouldn't have worked for my short term podcast simply because the content didn't fit the time format. Um, It's not a perfect solution for everything. No. You know, I, I think, too, is the, um, I lost my train of thought here. Um, I guess it didn't matter because it wasn't that important. But I, 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 I do uh, I do think that shows that are new just kind of, they kind of, they're going to self-adjust. They're going to, they should know, they should be able to feel it. Um, yeah. But then yeah, again. Go ahead. Go, go ahead. There's other shows though, Rob. I will admit, there's some other shows out there I wish were longer. The content's so good. Yeah, right. They're like, why are you quitting here? You're leaving me hanging for the next three days until the next episode comes out. <laughs> yeah, and then to kind of kind of follow along with this, I, I mean, you know, we're talking about longer episodes and maybe how it maybe disrupts the the commute time is the whole factor of um, those those driveway moments, right? Um, those those times when you pull into the garage yep. and you can't turn off the podcast, right? Right. For whatever that reason is, it can be a lot of, a lot of different reasons, but um, that's happened to me quite often too. I've me been too. listening to a program and you pull into the garage and you, you sit in the garage for half an hour, 45 minutes trying to, trying to finish the podcast. Um, or you put your earbuds in and yeah, you, you, just, you switch to that you, and you, you come in the house and then you're getting looked at and I'm like, I'm listening to something. G- give me, give me 20 minutes. <laughs> Well, yeah, and as more and more of these cars get uh, get direct data connections, and people are listening to content directly to their their dashboards or their their uh, car plays or or those type of experiences, um, you know, the ability to switch that episode over to your mobile device is something that I don't know if that's really readily available right now, Todd. Unless you're pulling off your phone. Yeah, I'm pulling off my phone. So, hey, okay. By the way, today, for if you're watching live. This is this is the one day, 
the one day of the year, the single day of the year that I, <laughs> that I root for University of Michigan. Go blue, go blue, go blue. <laughs> <laughs> and if we have any Ohio State fans in the house, you lose, you lose, you lose. And we'll see how it goes. <laughs> <laughs> I normally am a Spartan fan and uh, I'm, I'm never, I, you know, when it's any other day of the week, it's like, I hope the Spartans lose. I mean, I mean, the uh, U of M loses and, uh, but this day they're playing Ohio state and I'm just, just sorry. <laughs> I have to change my, change my colors for one day here. <laughs> so, football season. Yeah. yeah. I saw Ken was in here saying, go with you. And Mike was like, go blue. So we had, you know, they're, they're in a, they're in a common area. Uh, so anyway, anyway, uh, best, I don't even know when the game just, you know, I say that I don't even right. watch the game, you know, I'll find out, I'll <laughs> see on Facebook and how they did later. <laughs> well, the same thing out, out here, we had the apple cup out here in the, the university of Washington beat Washington state, which I know both of those teams were ranked in the, top top 20 in college football so so the 16 ranked team beat the the i, I believe the eighth ranked team of washington state there was some game on last night i just when it was like 45 45 or some ridiculous score i don't even yeah. know what teams are playing i'm like is that even possible <laughs> <laughs> it shows you that two two very weak defensively you know Someone likes to throw the football a lot. Hey, by the way, I just want, this is, there's no affiliate link or nothing like that, but I just want to talk about a, a something I, I found and podcasters may have a little fun with this. Um, or it's just a, something you can consider as a techie item for you. Um, I, yeah, got, I have another one to talk about too. It's been buzzing around the podcast. Community, oh yeah. Go, go ahead. Yeah. Oh, actually we need to talk about the, podcast business journal too. We'll do, let's do that right. next. So, okay. um, and most of you know what nest cameras are. They're, they're absolutely great cameras. I've got, uh, three of them in the home, uh, one in the garage, one in here in the studio and one in my living room. But I found these wise cameras, W Y Z E. They're, they're called a wise cam. Yeah, I have one too. I have one here they're, right in my living room. They're here. cheap. They're like this. I think I got this for twenty nine dollars or twenty. Yeah, exactly, yeah, thirty bucks. Yeah. And and if you saw if you saw the Facebook post, I posted a picture of the night I put mine one of mine outside, just right outside the studio, pointing down my backyard. And I'm like, Nest is in trouble. These things are are yeah. awesome. Now I didn't set up the because it's it's I've got it outside, so any little movement will will track a recording to the to the cloud but if i had one inside and and i'll probably put one inside actually i ordered one of those ones that cams that move so you've got one of those yeah, right yeah yeah i have one of those yeah i didn't get one of the the small square ones like you have there mine's that that taller one but it it, it does it'll like track you if you walk in front of it it'll like move <laughs> it'll, it'll, it'll follow you right down and then back and forth yeah so that goes in those recordings go to the cloud so Right. Nest, you're done. You're out. <laughs> <laughs> and you can buy water enclosures and stuff for these now, too. So W-Y-Z-E cam. It's just incredible value. I mean, I really can't believe it, to be honest with you. How? Yeah, because what the Nest cams are like 120 oh, bucks or something. I think when yeah. I bought them, they were close to 300 right. you know? Yeah. Something in, in Nest, you're ripping people off. <laughs> well, I think that's owned by. Was that owned by Logitech now? And, right? Oh no, I. It's. No? I think it's 
didn't Google buy them? Or I, I don't remember. Someone big bought them, but you know, the Nest cameras are nice. The lens is nicer, but for $29, you can buy five of these. And, right. and for the price of one yeah, of and you can stack, and, yeah. and they don't use your internet until they trigger on something, and they store right. they'll, they'll record to an SD card. So, um, yeah, it was, yeah, it's op- yeah, it's optional to, to record to the SD card. Right. Actually, it'll, I think it'll record more if you have the SD card. Right, I put a sixty-four so. gig in it. We'll see how long it records. But right. anyway, sorry, I just I wanted to because I was just amazed. I, someone turned me on to him a while ago. I had two of them in a box here. Finally, yesterday, you know, again, kind of some downtime. I got one out and played with it. But well, I think it's a it's a Christmas gift idea. You yeah, know, I think you know, I think we're we're doing the Christmas gift ideas here. Yeah. So <laughs> the pod- into December. So yeah. podcast business journal has launched, and we should we should have talked about this on the last show, but uh, yeah. for some reason we we missed we it. Forgot about it. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, and chag- much to the sh- our chagrin, but podcastbusinessjournal.com. They've got a newsletter for free daily headlines. I thought I'd signed up for that, and I haven't been getting them, so I need to sign up today. But um, we've got Rob and I are both just disclosures. We're, we write columns over there along with Dan Franks, Elsie Escobar. Uh, we've got Dave Jackson, uh, Rob. Daniel, Rob, yep. Rob Walsh, uh, Brendan. Uh, Mo Monhagen from uh, Panapoli. Yeah, um, he's the one that 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 posted the article that I was I was referring to about length oh, and okay. duration. Yeah, and then Alex Exum. I'm not real familiar with him at all. Uh, uh, he's the co-host on my speaker live show. Oh, okay. Well, that. Da-da. <laughs> and <laughs> That's okay. So uh, they've got. Uh, and most of our stories, though, sadly, were buried because they published them before the um, before the yeah, news for the journal went live. So yeah, back in October. In October, put right? The articles up. Yeah. Yeah. So I'm working on my second piece that I've got to get finished and get into them. But yeah, I am too. Yeah. Other than that, um, this is another source here. So we've got uh, Pod News. We've got uh, Podcast Business Journal, and then, uh, of course, we've got um, the, oh, my God, I'm pulling a, a brain fart here, the uh, Pod the Pod folks, uh, which really now Pod is, Pods, yeah. it's only a newsletter now, uh, yeah. pretty much a newsletter. So a uh, number of news sources out there that... Um, yeah, it's good to see. It's, it's good to see we've kind of needed it for a while. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so podcast business journal, get over there and get signed up, and uh, I'll be watching see how much overlap there is between the two uh, the two different newsletters. And of course, you know it's it's nice to have the ability to. <laughs> I'm glad someone did it because, you know, I quit reading Nick's magazine or Nick's newsletter three four months ago. I just was getting absolutely no value whatsoever out of it. And, uh, if sometimes someone says, did you see what Nick said? And I'm like, no. (laughs) Well, I think, uh, I think it was also announced that I think inside radio, um, also announced that they were going to be launching a podcasting newsletter as well. Oh, interesting. So I wonder who they're going to get to write for them. I don't know. I haven't heard any bubbling around about that. I'm sure it's going to be folks from the radio industry probably. Yeah. Well, okay, cool. That's that would be my guess because I haven't been contacted. And yeah, 
I know that uh, the folks at the podcast business journal were, were, were a little concerned. <laughs> yeah. So let's see here. Uh, Rick says, I really like the podcast business journal so far. My only concern is that it will stick around for the long term. I've subscribed to a number of other podcast publications in the past that have come and gone. We need this. Yeah, I think, Rick, what it will really be, you know, they've got to sell some advertising on that site. And they have already, um, I, I, you know, talking to them a little bit. And I know that they've, uh, um, they've got a couple of advertisers on on the site already. So... It's really going to be, you know, they're, they are dedicated to this, but I, I think they are going to have to make some, you know, they're going to have to sell that ad space to, right. uh, to support it. They're not going through the same model that James did with, uh, with Patreon, uh, which I really like. James has done real good with the Patreon model on, on his. Yeah. I mean, I, I really like what James has done because he's taken more of a global view of this medium, which, which I think is important. Yeah. So it's good to have a resource like that that looks at it more on a global basis. Um, and yeah, Todd, I agree with you that the advertising part uh, with the podcast business journal is is definitely important. There's no question about that. So, uh, and there has been talk about a, a physical publication too, but I think the online one has to prove itself a little bit on that side, yeah. on the sponsorship side, before they'll they'll jump into that. And and let's be honest, paper. No one no one's read. No one gets have you got do you get any paper magazines yeah i still get some it's just does anybody read them is the issue the only right. ones i get are the ones people send me for free well that yeah i agree with that i don't pay for any not a single subscription to anything and uh right, and they tend to just pile up in the corner in your house somewhere well they end up right. in the throne room in a magazine rack where you have <laughs> You have five minutes of reading time, you know, to scan an article. Yeah. Yeah. Doesn't, is that where your magazines end up as a throne room? Uh, some of them do. <laughs> I would say most of them will wind up on the, on the, the family room table or something like yeah. that more, more than any other place. <laughs> I tend to not want to spend a lot of time in the throne room. Well, so. well me neither. That's what I'm saying. You get five <laughs> minutes of reading time. That's it. Right. <laughs> Oh, yeah, bad. <laughs> yeah, so someone said, uh, "Remember, uh, Pottertainment. Pottertainment was, um, you know, I, I, I give Gary creds for trying to do that. Yeah, uh, I think it was the wrong, wrong kind of medium. I think trying to do it through the yeah, the Apple Store, like a PDF kind of thing, was not the right way to go. Yeah. Oh, my sister's asking me a question right now about the MacBook. She says, which which iMac or is she looking at uh what is she looking at here? Retina five K display. I think she's looking at a MacBook. Oh, I've got a story about a MacBook. Now well, I have to call her. Let me just do in a show, I'll call you. Um did you hear about the cat destroying the MacBook Pro? I did hear about your cat destroying your macbook pro so uh, how did you wind up getting it fixed did you get it repaired or did you no. have to replace it okay so this is a freaking scam so of those of you that haven't heard i got a cat here that loves to kill geckos and if you don't know what a gecko is it's a it's a lizard that climbs on the walls and in hawaii right. 
you have geckos in your house. They, they just, they, yeah. it's just a thing. Usually you try to get rid of them because they're crap in places. So you don't want them in the house. You, you try to get them out. Right. Right. And, uh, so my cat's been pretty effective in getting rid of the geckos. So the only thing I can think of in my son's room, the cat got up. It, the gecko must've been high because the cat was trying to get on a shelf that was way up. that had memorabilia knickknacks on and, all I know is that the, immediately following the new media show last Saturday, I heard this horrendous crash and I'm like, what the heck was that? And then about a minute later, I hear my son screaming at the cat, yelling at this cat. And then like 30 seconds later, the pitch of his screaming changed. And I heard him screaming, oh my God, my MacBook. And of course, me, <laughs> my, you know, my ears perked up. This shelf had fallen, hit. Now they'd had a, they'd been cleaning up in the room and they had one of those spray bottles of just general cleaning solution. I think it was from Melaleuca. Uh That shelf busted the cap, the top of the cap off. The bottle flipped for like three and a half feet and landed flat on the keyboard and went doop, 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 doop. and dumped half a bottle of cleaning solution on the keyboard of the Mac. Oh, yeah. Oh, no. Oh, yes. And, of course, he's screaming at the top of his lungs. Now, I've told him, if there's an uncovered drink, if there's anything that's within, like, you know, here's my MacBook, here's where my drink is over here. I, I told him, I said, ever find anything, you lose it. You lose it for a month. So he's been real good, but this shelf hit this bottle was like three and a half feet away. Oh boy. So I took it to the Mac store. They wanted $1,400 to fix this thing. And it's a $2,300 laptop. And I'm just looking at this guy incredulously. And I'm like, nope, not going to do it. And, um, They'd quoted me 700 bucks over the phone. So I thought, okay, 700, $2,300 laptop. And people are going to say, why does your kid have a $2,300 laptop? He's in a media program in high school. It's called Minimac. And he, he, and I had a MacBook Pro. I gave him for this. He does visual audio stuff. It's, it's a big deal. And it was part of the requirement. We had to have them. They had to have some sort of, so I just told my son, listen, dude, you're going to, I've got a windows machine back here. You're going to have to use that. So he's just like, devastated and someone in facebook sent me a link to a video that the cbc did in canada on you on apple's extraordinary repair prices and uh in that video there's a guy that's in new york city he does uh it's the name of the company's rossman shoot it's called rossman Rossman Repair Group. He's on uh, First Avenue in Manhattan, and he repairs MacBooks. And uh, so at three, about 2 o'clock yesterday afternoon, the MacBook Pro is boxed up and is heading to New York City. So we'll see what he can do. <laughs> but, ouch. So you think you have to replace the keyboard? I think keyboard. I think the whole CPU. I think whole, uh, who well, knows? You know, it, it. We got it wiped off really quick, but still, it was 
And, you know, here's the way the MacBook works. If you get a drop, a drop of water on the motherboard, it's, they're done. They, they very easily. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sure more than a drop got through the keyboard. So we'll, we'll see if they can, if it's, you know, if they can recover the mother, the keyboard, but it was a chemical too. It's, it's, it's a, it's not just water. So I'm sure there's going to be some corrosiveness going on. So, you know, if he tells me it's, you know, I got to replace the logic board and, but he says that, the guy said in his videos that they will do component fixes, which is cheaper than replacing a logic board, but we'll see. Yeah. Keep your damn cats away from the, yeah. Yeah. Cat cost me 2,300 bucks. Jeez. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so I think, go anyway, go ahead. You were going to talk about something for uh, a, a cool item for Christmas or something, right? Yeah. Well, that, uh, road, New mixer, you know, yeah, the, the po- road mixer. Yeah, the podcast. Yeah. yeah, been buzzing around about about um, looks looks really really interesting. I I think I don't know if uh, I don't know if I know what the model is, but it's like a, a a mixer. It's like a four channel input mixer that has built in, I guess, setting configuration to do uh, mix minus for taking in Skype calls. Plus, it has a Bluetooth capability to be able to pull in phone calls off your phone. Yeah. I don't mm. know if you saw that or not. Yep. Todd. Yep. And then, then an ability to just patch in like an iPad or something like that directly into this mixer board. And it also has the ability to record. Right. Also, um, which looks like it could be, and then it has like a, a touch board that you can, you can program with pre recorded audio segments. So you can have like your intros, exits, all that stuff yeah. built in to touch pad, um, buttons on the mixer itself. So you can, you can really bring in a, a, a lot of audio sources into this thing. Which so how does it bring in the phone source? Is it bring it in via Bluetooth or what? Bluetooth. Bluetooth oh, yeah. so someone can call you Correct. or do Skype and patch it in via Bluetooth. Is that, does anybody well, played with this thing? I would think that you would be able to do that via Bluetooth. Yeah. But you also can do it just through a regular mix minus too. If you have a secondary computer, you just plug it into one of the mic inputs. Do they have a mix minus a mix. on that? Yeah. It's built into the, to the, I guess it's like a button that you push in it. It basically sources one of the, hmm. one of the, XLR in inputs as the source in for the, the Skype connection. And then it kind of, kind of mutes the other ones. Right. Right. So, so that's, that's built into the mixer, I guess. Yeah. So that kind of fixes that configuration challenge that a lot of podcasters have of getting a mix minus setup. Yeah. Well, I, I, I saw it. It's a little pricey. It's five. Was it five ninety nine? Yeah, it's It's six bills. So, I, I wish a little expensive, but it's, it's very capable. It'd be nice to get a review in it to play with it a little bit. Yeah. But it, if yeah. it's small enough to be able to go on the road, you know, I, and I'm getting ready to, you know, I'm looking at my CES configuration uh, because I'm changing things up a little bit this year. And every year I try to shrink <laughs> the amount of stuff that I take. And uh, so um, it's interesting. Hmm. Yeah, it's really modern looking. It's 
it looks like it's relatively small too, like maybe eight inches, nine inches square or something like that. It doesn't seem to be all that big. Did they, are they selling a case for it, a travel, a hard case for it? I wonder. I didn't see that for sure. I didn't see that. Yeah. Some third party will come up with something. That would be probably a smart thing to do. Yeah. Anything that has a knob on it. Right. um, Yeah. It's got those sliders on each of the input tracks. Yeah. So yeah, you would definitely want to have something to, to protect it. No question. Yeah. uh, Mike is saying road will pack it with a mic and make all kinds of money. Well, I think at six hundred dollars, they're making all kinds of money, right? But it, from what I can tell, it hasn't actually come out yet. So uh, I they're, don't think you can they're saying December fifteenth, right? So so some be- people have reviewed it. Some people have hand, their hands on them already. So well, I feel left out. Yeah, me too. <laughs> Progear.guru. Do we do do audio reviews? <laughs> we'd be happy to talk about it on the show huh well I just you know I hate just going out and buying something just to test it too so um, right. I guess I do have a road contact so maybe I'll reach out and see if uh, I can get one and that's spelled R was it R-O-D-E-E-D-E right is no right? R-O-D-E road R- j- j- just R-O-D-E yeah okay. yeah 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 that's right and I think you can probably find it if you go to their website. Yeah, I think, what do they call it, the Procaster or something like that? Yeah, I think that's right, Procaster. That that sounds familiar. Yep. Rick was asking, my only question is whether or not it records separate chat tracks. Um, you guys are going to laugh, but I've always done single track recording here. <laughs> well, that and also um, whether or not it, ha- it has enough gain boost to mm-hmm. boost the uh, you know, a Shure SM7B or something like that, which is a very popular microphone yep. in podcasting. So if they had done their research, they would have put a, a, a good, clean, powerful uh, Amplifier. preamp in that. Right? Well, they'd have to put four powerful preamps. Four and it, right. and if, they did, if they did, then that would explain the cost. Um, yes. But yeah. if you, you know, you hook a Shure up to it, SM7B, and you turn it to Unity and you don't have enough and you have to go higher... And you start getting when you yeah you have to get a cloud lifter in order to make that work then right right yeah I have a Shure SM7B myself so I have to get a a specific um, uh, kind of like a, a USB interface to be able to use that microphone really yeah because you're running you don't go into a mixer then no I go into a USB interface oh. um, I mean I I. I used to run it off of a Mackie mixer yep. and it, and it worked okay for, for a while. Um, it, none of those really have enough yeah. gain to, to drive those you, really. The only thing that does is the cloud lifter. For those of you watching the show, you don't even want to know. Well, I'll tell you this mic here, <laughs> it, even with a Mackie mixer, it didn't have enough oomph. So I've got it running through a, Solo 610, and yes, you'll gasp when you look at the price on that. Yeah. You yeah, know, that's, you know, that's usually the cost people spend, I spend, you know, what I spend on that, people would, you know, that's their entire studio budget. Yeah, so what kind of a gain um, kind of range does that that amp have for you? 
that is amp. Is it a hundred? Is it a hundred or seventy or? Well, 80? it's it's a tube amp, first of all. Yeah. So part of the way this mic sounds is because of the way that tube amp is. But I don't care what the actual dB increase is; it just gets it done. It gets <laughs> and, it done. And I can run the I run the the Mackie mixer at Unity. I run the entire chain at Unity. Um, and you know, well, and, you also have a, a, a compressor on that. Mic I, too, I do. Right? I do have a compressor on it, but I run that compressor at zero gain as well. Oh, you do. So, oh. Right. I, it's, it sets at unity. So the, the amplifier, uh, it's really is setting the, yeah, it's setting the noise floor on the, on the entire right. path. Right. I mean, it's clean. There's no question. Right. I don't, ever hear any any background hiss on your input yep yeah. so it's it definitely is a um but it, you know again if i had to build the studio all over again i'd probably have an atr 2100 just sitting here right i got one sitting here you know um it's a backup to this one that i'm 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 using here which is uh it's an it's an mxl oh you got one of the mxl mics and it has this kind of this uh, blue. We, we can tell you're off. Light to it. We can tell you're off. Off key, mic. Off. Off. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you're talking to the side of it. Right. Right. Yeah. You have to be careful talking into these. I mean, it's a it's a full condenser microphone. So sure. That's probably why I sound sound a little different compared to what I normally well, sound well, like. This one's for the sure. You know, this one's condenser too, so it's right. it's very susceptible to. It's not like a dynamic. Most, you know, I think about 95% of the folks in the podcasting space run on dynamic mics, but my problem is always smart. Well, it is, but for me, what I have found on dynamic mics is I don't get the sound I want. Right. I agree with you. The condenser microphones give you a frequency range that you just can't get off of a dynamic. Right. Right. There's no question. Of course, that's why you pay. Right. You know, that's why you pay dollars for these mm -hmm. things. Right. That's why you pay the big bucks. Yep. But it definitely yeah, gives I mean, me. Cause, go ahead. Yeah, because the the microphone that I use for my radio show that I did for six years, um, th those were six hundred ninety five dollar condenser microphones. This is this is terrific a, sound. Yeah, this oh. is a blue mic mouse. <laughs> so that's, I think the retail on this now is about fourteen hundred bucks. Right. So yeah. it's it's you know it's not cheap. Um, and I've had a, you know, I've used, uh, the Heil PR 40. I'm, I'm not a fan. It, it's not for me. I'd like yeah. the 20 better, believe it or not. I like the Heil PR. If you ever get to like podcast movement and they have a booth where they have a bunch of mics, go over there and spend 15 minutes and go through each mic. You, you're going to be amazed at the deltas. You know, most people don't know that there's uh, this different range of sound and we all cringe as it is to listen to our voices right you know none of us like to hear ourselves but when you're testing yeah. a mic you get up on it and you're going to find the mic that you like yeah and they all sound a little different so it makes you know but it's hard todd i mean it's it's hard to know what the right mic right what the oh, right I, I, I don't microphone know I, is for your voice uh, you know right? I, it's I went, not always hard to know i went to sweetwater when i was first starting and i didn't have any budget yeah. and uh you know i've played around with some dynamics there and the guy had this you know this mxl and i i think i've got i've got it around here somewhere 
Um, it, it was a hundred dollar mic condenser, and I and I used that for many many years. But again, I think really what it is is when you find a mic that you like that has the sound that you want. You just you know I'm loyal to this. I I, I don't even know what I would do without. I, I, if this mic got destroyed, I'd have to go buy another one. Or have, I'd be hard-pressed to find, you know, it's just the sound that I like. Can you even buy that microphone still? You, yeah, you still can. You can. Yeah, they still sell it. And this is a pretty diverse mic. Some You'll find this mic in front of, um, in bands, we'll use it uh, in front of uh, drum sets, and it's a variety of different places. Yeah, it's interesting. Yeah. Yeah, there's so much. I, I agree with you, Todd. There's so much diversity in microphones, um, and it's its whole ecosystem. And I know at um, the NAB Las Vegas, um, the fellow from the podcast, I think it was the engineering school, the podcast engineering school, mm-hmm. put up a um, yep, kind of like a demo booth uh, of a bunch of different microphones, and you could go from one mic to the next. Yep. And to to figure out which which type of microphone that you like, you had condensers, dynamics, but Todd, you can also spend a thousand bucks on a dynamic microphone too. So. You can, sure can. Right. So yeah. it isn't necessarily the dynamics are always the cheapest, um, but they, they they do have a different sound. Yeah. And it is it's it it is truly. Uh, and I was just looking the price of this one up. It's twelve seventy nine right now is the price on that. So it's right. not a cheap, not at all a cheap oh. mic. And most podcasters aren't. No, 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 no. They're not, you know, that's like, that was when I was young and building the studio and, but you know, I had a different purpose, but again, the, the, there wasn't an ATR 2100 USB mic available when I started. Right. You know, this mic's been in front, in front of me for 10 years, so. Yeah. And Todd, did you have to do any kind of like sound buffering in your your room there? I do nothing. None. Okay, yeah, because most of the most of these condenser microphones, and this is something that doesn't always get talked about, um, is that you really have to be concerned about your your audio kind of um, um, you know, the echo potential, mm-hmm. well, especially around a dynamic or not a dynamic, but a condenser microphone, because you can really have a problem with that. Yeah. So there's about you know. If I put my fist straight out in front of me, uh, my monitor to my computer is just maybe another inch beyond my fist length. So uh-huh. what will happen on a condenser is if I really get on this and get loud, it'll, it'll my voice will hit the screen and bounce back into the back side of the condenser. So, um, right. you know, it, it's usually not an issue. And the way I test that is just put my hand up in front of the, the back side of the mic to right. see if I'm getting any feedback. And I usually don't. So that was, um, you know, that's a big thing you have to test for on a condenser is that same thing is getting that. And it's susceptible to hearing more noises. And that's why I run a sound gate. Right. Or a compressor. Oh, yeah. I mean, I mean, it'll pick up every everything. little thing, everything. If you, if you rustle any paper mm-hmm. or, put a pen down or something like that, mm-hmm. it's definitely going to pick it up. Yep. Yeah. I had that big problem, you know, with those mics that I used to do. I had to put up foam, um, sheets on my walls in my bedroom in the old days. Cause I, it, it was going to pick up everything. I think sometimes, uh, simply putting carpet down in a room does wonders. 
or, uh, you know, or putting pictures on the wall or, yep. you know, some people will use, use condenser microphones, but they'll, they'll record their shows in their clothes closets. Right. If they have walk-in clothes closets, it's actually a perfect, perfect. audio audio uh, in environment to record if you're using high quality microphone. And in the studio, there's two windows and a sliding glass door. So the windows are always open. So I think that helps too, even though I'm susceptible to uh, street noise, that yep. it, it, that the sound goes through the windows and keep, you know, it, it, it really doesn't bounce back at me. So there's a places for some of the audio to go. It's, you know, I mean, guess what? This is a podcast. Screw it. If it's, if I get some road noise, Right. <laughs> it's, it's called sound depth, Todd. Yeah. Right. Hey, um, so Todd, is there any more, uh, comments or feedback on the whole Pandora, um, issue that popped up? I don't know if you want to talk about that, but no. I know that no, I there think... was a little bit of, uh, a follow up with the podcast business journal with quotes from us. I haven't heard anything from them from that. I have talked to them last week and and uh, I guess for they better, took, uh, I mean, Ed took quotes from last week's show. Yeah, to to write an article. <laughs> <laughs> they are. Uh, they, we're talking to. I, I will say that I am talking to Pandora. <laughs> sure. And getting a list of shows ready for them. A small list of shows. Right. Yeah, it's it's, it, it, it's the same thing with us. We're on the speaker side. We're doing that as well. Yeah. Keyword is small list of shows. Well, I think that they're, they're wanting to take on, you know, a small group of shows to get started with here. I don't know that they have a process yet that they can add a lot of shows rapidly. So, yeah, well, yeah, I'll be, I think I will see what happens here with, uh, with with this offering. Yeah. I mean, I think it has a lot of potential though. Yeah. So what did you think of the article? Did you get any feedback from anybody from the article? From, oh, my article for the podcast business journal? No, from what Ed wrote in podcast business journal on Pandora? Um, I didn't get any direct feedback on it. No, I think, I mean, I think most of the people that probably, um, would have read that probably heard us on the show. (laughs) So it probably wasn't anything new. So you didn't hear from Pandora directly or anything like that? No, 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 no. (laughs) <laughs> and I don't think we talked about anything more no. than our, our kind of our personal, you know, thoughts on it. Not so much disclosing anything proprietary. Yeah. So, which I don't think there is a lot of proprietary to disclose. But no, we just talked about what they're doing in public. What's publicly available? So, right, right. Just good. Yeah. Uh, so let's see here. Uh, being bada boom. What's 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 coming up with your schedule here in in January? You're going to um, CES, yeah. right? So, so I, what are you doing down there? So uh, we had, well, I guess I can say safely say it here. Last year, we um, we moved over to the Sands and we worked uh, did a lot of content with startups and. Maybe it's important. Maybe I should discuss this and because it's been a while since I talked about this and we've got new listeners. So every year I go to CES with a basically whoever wants to come from the Tech Podcast Network. And over the last uh, three or four years, that's been a small group. It's been myself from Geek News Central 
It's been Don Bain, the gadget professor. It's been the team from F5 Live. And it's been um, a gentleman out of Iowa that does a show called The Tech Ranch. And we all have our own kinds of stuff. The Tech Ranch, they like to do automation, drones. Uh, the F5 guys focus a lot on gaming and, you know, in general topics. Uh, Don focuses on gadgets and gear. And I basically... Uh, I'm really kind of an all-comer. I, I like to look at everything that's cool. So we go and cover the show. In years past, we've done, um, the, been a, had a broadcast booth at the North Hall. Uh, it took a one-year break. I think this is the sixth or seventh, maybe eighth year that we've live-streamed during the show. Last year, we moved over to the CNs, and we've got a, we're in the broadcast tower. Um, we've got a suite in the broadcast tower, and we put our studio up inside that. It's really tight quarters, and you get more than three people in there, and you're you're packed in like sardines. But it's big enough where we can set up a table, have a backdrop, and essentially um, do the live show from there. And um, the goal at the Sands was to get a platform. And uh, last year, we kept walking by this platform that was supposedly scheduled, and it was empty the entire week. And I told uh, Don, I says, man, we're, we're going for that platform next year because they provide security. They provide the Internet. Um, right. You know, we got to show up with gear and set up and go. And I said, this, this is what we – this has been the end goal from the beginning. And I went into negotiations in June, and they, she said, oh, no, that, that – that uh, platform was used every day. And I'm like, no, it wasn't. And we went back and forth, back and forth. And she said, oh, the same group wants to use it again this year. And I'm like, and because I put a bid in for that platform. And she said, well, I'll make it platform in another area. I'm like, cool. So they came back with a proposal and they couldn't get us a square. It was like an L, L-shaped platform. It just wouldn't work. It was weird. And, um, so I basically said, we'll, we'll go back to the, um, to the suite and we'll just work out of there. So I was, my irritation level was pretty high, um, that we didn't get the platform, but what we do is, and the reason we went to the startup section is because most of these big companies at CES now, they, when they come to the booth they're they've got a PR handler and, that PR handler's job is to get the interview, get in, get out, and, and not allow you to have a lot of contact with the person that you're interviewing. Um, even the business cards that come that you ask for a business card from the owner often will have uh, the PR company's email address. And so we don't go there to meet PR companies. We go to meet companies, executives, decision makers, developers, and yeah. I just got sick and tired of the PR people being gatekeepers. So right. we said, okay, let's go to Sands and set up in Sands because most of the companies there are startups. They, very few of them have a PR team. And if they do, um, there's only 20 people on the team. I can get to the guy later that I need to mm-hmm. um, without having to go through the gatekeeper, the PR company. So that worked out really, really well last year with the the startups. And these folks are very excited and not all of them survived. Uh, some of them are, and but some of them will grow into 100 by 100 booths at some day. But, you know, they're there 
in a 10 by 10 with a maxed out credit card and trying to get the product off the ground. So we're, I'm changing my mode of operation this year. I'm not walking the floor. Everyone that wants, and I used to, I used to do two or three hours in the booth and then walk the floor with a camera and interview people on the floor. This year I'm doing strictly live. You, you don't want to come to me. I'm not coming to you. And if they want me to come to them, then get your credit card out. I'm I'm not doing the, um, we're going to hand, I'm going to handpick the, the companies I want to talk to. We're going to do them live. And so I'm not going to be doing as much at CES this year as I have in the past. But it's okay. still, for me, it's in the team, it's, it's a, it's this plethora of new content, which the ultimate goal is, is to get exposure to our main shows to drive new subscriber numbers. It's to grow your shows. Right. It's to grow the main show. Yeah. And I, right. I do the secondary feed of content. Um, it's, we call it the special media feed. And it's got all the thousands of interviews we've done over the years at CES and NEB and the variety of events that we go to. Yeah. But it's so freaking expensive to do that. You know, you it, I, and I'm going on Todd's dime. You know, I'm not going on Raw Voice's dime. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I have to pay for every hotel room, every airline ticket, uh, food, you know, pay the daily rate for if I get a cameraman, you know, and then you start, you start racking up, you know, five digit bills um, to do a show. Uh, and then the PR people are being gatekeepers and not, not making it very hard to have access to the the main uh, the main folks or the decision makers of these companies, I can't pay bills later on when gatekeepers do that. The PR people are screwing themselves. If you're a PR person, you know, you, 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 there's a give and take when it comes to the media folks. We're not there to, you know, we're there to cover, but we also have to, to pay for this. All right. All right. Yeah. It's everybody's trying to take advantage of all, all that coverage, right? And not, not really be a ongoing resource for you. And that's the, that's, I would think that's the issue, right? The goal is to have them become an ongoing resource, right? Right. Yeah. Yep. And, yep. you know, so. and it, it would pay back with, uh, review units we got to keep. It would be exclusive interviews. It would be small sponsorships. Um, mm-hmm. it, it ran the gambit, you know, and when, yeah. when I can't, you know, if I'm going to spend 20 grand to go to that event, um, it better generate 20,000 plus in revenue to have made it worth my while to go. Now, granted, there's the ancillary stuff of I, I'm building my authority. I'm building, uh, continue to build the, the Geek New Central brand. That's mm-hmm. all part of it. But at the end of the day, I have to look at the value. What, you know, what, what, what is that really returning um, new listener wise and dollar wise. And, uh, there's so many, of course we were so unique. We were so early doing that. We, we had very few people to compete with. We were, right. it was twit. It was us. It was a couple of others. Mm-hmm. Um, now everybody and their brother is there live streaming. So, um, and guys that are got, uh, you know, they're humping backpacks and live, live view broadcast units. And, you know, they're not even, uh, in a studio per se. Um, right. but I'm, those are 20 year old dudes. I'm 
I'm 54. I'm not humping a backpack and a live view unit and carrying cameras and, <laughs> uh, I'm not doing it. Yeah. You're not going to do that kind of stuff anymore. Nope. Well, I think live is still continuing to be a, um, kind, kind of a hot area. I know that, you know, I heard that the podcast movement folks are going to be having a, a live streaming stage down with the exhibition area. Rob, Rob, this, Rob, this Rob. Year. Yeah. I heard, I heard who's sponsoring it too. <laughs> well, of course. Uh, yeah, right? of I course. Mean, who else in the medium or in the space should, right? <laughs> oh my gosh, it's so funny. Yes, Rob's uh, company is sponsoring the live streaming at, at uh, Podcast Movement. <laughs> yes, or the company that you work for. It's funny. <laughs> yeah. So there's going to be content that's available at Podcast Movement that people can. And watch. It's not just going to be audio, Todd. It's going to be. It's going to be video too. Yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, you're a new video too. Wow. Right, right. It's it's going to be live live video, and there's going to be you know there's going to be presentations uh, on podcasting at the event. So oh, should be interesting. Yeah, it should be fun. <laughs> we'll have to get you up on there up on the stage there. Todd. Yeah, yeah. Actually, damn it, I I forgot. What is today's date? I got to get something submitted. Uh, I got to get my my uh, pod uh, fest uh, <laughs> shit submitted, my uh, session submitted. <laughs> yeah, well, it's it, it's probably time to start thinking about that. Yeah, I've got it written up. I just got to make sure the editors have uh, edited it, and we'll get it. Well, yeah, and I think you said so- something that that you were going to take a different approach this mm-hmm. next year. You know, with your yep. content stuff, yep. right? Yeah, about the engagement. Yeah, right engagement and advertising and you know it's know not when, just the ad deal yeah and when do we want to talk about what we think um is are going to be the hot trends in 2019 oh well we want to do that as we get closer to the end of the year yeah i think so okay you know our hot trends this is kind of like, <laughs> that's you know i have we ought to go back and look and see if our trends that we predicted last year actually if came, it happened if it actually happened <laughs> So we'll have to go back and find the actual article that we uh, that we talked about. Well, the article that session blog, it's like you know anybody can see it, right? Yeah. Yeah. But, but you know, the space is you know, I, it's, there was a regurgitation of an article that came out in September. Someone posted on Facebook about oh the, yeah, the, about the bubble bursting, about the bubble bursting, the doom and gloom of podcasting. Yeah, and it sparked a bunch of discussion again. So you know, oh my God, it's 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 failing. It's going away. That's right. <laughs> it's all going to fall apart after all these years. Yeah. Right. I don't think so. And then the ongoing discussion about <clears throat> the name needs to go, Todd. Oh. Podcasting is, is is holding podcasting back again. Again, <laughs> <laughs> it's just not growing fast enough, Todd. Didn't you get the memo? It's not. Yes. Well, I think we both have our own opinions on where the space has grown. Right. Right. Um, it's, I, it's 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 growing in good equilibrium. Yes, and I I have a you know I, I'm pleased with where the you know, where the space is growing and how it's growing, you know, and maybe some people are still, you know, want to see it grow faster, but, uh, well, some people are on more of a time ticker than others, aren't they? Right. Well, they're, <laughs> yeah. Uh, tick tock, tick tock, the money might run out. Yep. 
<laughs> Especially when you don't really have a business model, right? Yeah. yeah. It's it's good to be in a business though where you know you have to stay on your toes and keep moving moving the ball forward, but also not be under the pressure that uh you know that the plug could be pulled at any moment. You know, right. that the next the next deposit in your checking account from your your venture guys was would not be withheld and go through the pressure of having to say how we're going to get from A to B um, and, and meet milestones uh, because that's what a venture is all about is, you know, you, the folks might, you know, here's the deal. The companies might get $20 million, but they just don't deposit. Typically they don't deposit the full 20 million in yeah. an account. No, it's, it's, it's usually given out in stages it's, based on performance. It's doled out little by little, you know, yeah. And uh, they're given some leeway, but, you know, they can hold the dole back saying, uh, this is really right. When the growth be put in our requirements plan. And, right. and it depends on how big of a bullshit artist you are on whether or not you can, you know, uh, put together a presentation that makes your investors satisfied enough to give you the next the next increment of cash. Especially if you're not meeting goals. Now, if you're meeting goals, you know, if you're meeting, uh, you know, the timelines and you're going to continue to get your checks. Right. At least they, that's, go ahead. They, they definitely set up um, kind of um, timed kind of goals, right, that you have to hit in order to get the next part of your in investment fund. Right. So, right. Which present some challenges at times. <clears throat> so I, it also I, means that if you don't hit those targets, you're, you may run out of cash faster than you had. Right. Time. Right. <laughs> but I, I'm just glad I'm not in a business. No, I'm glad my business is not, you know, surrounded by the venture guys that are, you know, and venture guys can also bring you great success too, just by the contacts they have. And, you know, right. their goal is to help you grow and they're going to connect you with all their people that, you know, have held them in the past and to be successful and make introductions. So there are plus and minuses to having that venture funding too. So they'll have access to people that I will never get access to. And if you want to see a little bit of how that works, just watch the, <clears throat> the TV show shark tank. <laughs> well, yeah. Yeah. But you know, I think that's a little, yeah, it's almost the same model. Yeah. Yeah, it is. I mean, it's, it's a little skewed towards entertainment more sure. than it is um, substantive. I mean, I think that the, the venture capital process is, is a little bit more hard nosed. Than, yeah. yeah than even, you, even I think what you see on shark tank. Cause you're going to go in with, you know, I've done the, you know, I've done the, the run through Silicon Valley and we've talked about on the show before the reception that I received. And, and I think at the time I was about 36 or 37 and uh, being told I was too old and that my team would need to move to Silicon Valley and, um, you know, just all these, it was very, it was a very negative experience for me for going around and getting money. But I look at it in hindsight, I'm probably lucky we didn't get any money or didn't take any money because right. we probably wouldn't exist today. You know, you look at all the companies that have taken money in the past, they're all gone. Is there anybody left that took money? That's actually a really good point, Todd. As far as those in the podcasting space? Yeah. Um, you know what? I don't know that I can recall of any that are, They're still that are with still, us. still 
you know, chugging along and doing doing well. Yeah. The, I, oh, I think Audio Boom is probably one. Uh, oh, they took in, did they took they took Venture? Oh yeah. Definitely. Okay. So again and, Well, I mean, they started out as a different company. They started as Audio Boo. Right. Or or something like that. And they they I think they took big chunks of venture capital back then. Like twenty twenty plus million or something like that. What did Mevio take? Thirty six million or something like that? I don't even remember actually. It was a big number. But it was big, yeah. Yeah, it was a big but, number. But though you know, people talk about Mevio and I've heard people reference it in the you know, here in the recent time frame, uh, as an example of, you know, something. But they they were focused more on video towards the end, if you think about it. And, and a lot of people think of them as focused on podcasting. Right. They weren't really that focused on podcasting. Yeah. So now Adam Curry did a in episode ten eighty four of the No Agenda show. And he right. spent about ten minutes talking about the definitive history of the beginning of podcasting, and I, <laughs> there was a couple of things that came out. And again, he says to best his recollection, a couple of things came out in that that I was like, "Oh, I didn't know that." So it supposedly someone took clipped it and put it on SoundCloud someplace, and um, I was actually going to get the clip and and add it to this show, and I'll I'll see if I can. <laughs> So mm-hmm. see if I, and they creative commons that they said you can reuse it. Um, so maybe if I, if I find it, maybe I can add it to the end of the show and, uh, you guys can hear Adam talk about the definitive history of, of podcasting. Um, and it's, it's a pretty good look back. Um, and of course people are going to contest, you know, there's lots of people trying to contest Adam right. on some of this. Right. And I don't well, I've know. Had, I've had feuds with Dave Weiner about about the history of this too. I mean, everybody has a different perspective on it. I know I got a, a email from a, a guy that told me because based on my article for uh, Podcast Business Journal, because I kind of do a little bit of a you know run through on the 15 year history of the medium and yeah. talk about those things. And he he brought up this software platform that was around in 2000 or in 1997 called um, Auto. Auto Alex or something like that that basically synchronized audio files. Okay, to no one remembers that shit. To computers, <laughs> I know, I don't either. But then there's other examples too, like uh, Microsoft Sync and Go, right? Right, that right. Did the synchronization between Windows XP and Pocket PC devices, yeah. where it transferred audio and video files. But it wasn't podcasting. No, but it was a precursor. Precursor. To what, what would turn into be podcasting? And I think. It was, based on open RSS. And I think even Adam talks about a precursor. He talks about some right. application that did this, that he that made him want to have an right. automated way to do this. So he, the genesis of the idea came from something he'd used before. Right. I mean, there and, were many other platforms. I, I was using them because I started doing my show in 1999. So I was starting to distribute my show online as an mp3 file in 99 and so i started looking for ways that i could distribute my mp3 files and that's where i went down this path of starting to work with it there were platforms called serenade and uh, sync and go and and other ones out there that were making they were just transferring mp3 files from one pc to another pc is what they were doing Um, there weren't a lot of 
mobile devices back then. There were cell phones, but a lot of the early cell phones didn't even support MP3. Yeah. So they were all supporting AAC or or other other forms of audio codec. And I mean, the early company that I worked for, a Melodia Mobilecast, uh, was in 2005. Actually, created a Java app uh, apps for pre-smartphones. And we had to convert all the MP3 files to th- these other audio codecs to even play on mobile devices. So, right. I mean, podcasting, you know, it's it's really hard to say that podcasting started before, you know, the 2004 time period. Mm-hmm. Um, but there were precursors. There were example platforms that were out there that gave people the idea and going back a long ways. But they weren't. I don't consider them to be podcasting platforms because that didn't really start until 2004. Yeah. So, so that's, but yeah, I mean, it wasn't a new idea really what, what Adam did. I mean, the method was a little bit new, but the idea of it wasn't really new. Okay. So I, I just found it, the history of podcasting from no agenda show 1084. And I found the, uh, the SoundCloud, can you download from SoundCloud? I don't think you can, can you? Uh, well, you can if you have a podcast, right? <clears throat> uh, but there's no way to actually download their... Oh, my God, you're making me sign in. This is... Yeah, this I, don't is think, l- uh, yeah I don't think you can download off of their, their, their user experience on their website. No, I don't think so. I don't even want to set up an account on their site. Oh, my God, this is sacrilegious. Um... <laughs> Hmm. There's got to be a feed for this show, and I'll I'll find it and uh, get it downloaded. I'll add it to this. It's 18 minutes. It's going to add 18 minutes to the show today, guys, folks. Well, oh, it probably will, it'll probably yeah. only be on the audio portion of the show. I won't add it right. to the video portion of the show. Right, which is what most people listen to anyway. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So, well, we are at uh, we at are, time yeah. here. So. Right. It's amazing how that goes. <laughs> yeah. So let me see here. Todd, did we earn the length of our episode today? Mm, I think so. How about the audience? Did we earn the length of our of our audience our show today? <laughs> <laughs> I hope so. Yeah, I hope so too. So this is just you know, okay, how <laughs> this is one of the reasons why I don't like SoundCloud. I may have to just go to Adam's uh, show and just pull it off that. It might be easier. So, right. all right, everyone. Thanks for being here. Uh, Todd at Blueberry.com or at Geek News on Twitter. Rob? Uh, Rob at uh, VoxNest.com. Uh, or you can send it to Rob at RobGreenlee.com if you want to send more to a personal email. And there will be no show next Saturday. I'm on an airplane coming back, Rob. So we'll miss oh, next okay. week. And okay. uh, But uh, other than that, we'll be back with you as soon as we can. And um, look forward to uh, um, being back with you. But anyway, thanks for being here. We'll see yeah, you. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or like or star or plus or whatever it is, wherever you're listening now especially if it's on Twitter or any place like the hearts that we get, if we get a hundred thousand or something like that hearts, we can become a super pod, super producer on 
Periscope. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, maybe it'll take us a year to get there. All right, everyone. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next time okay. on, on the new media show. Everyone, take care. Bye-bye. Take care. I think I have to do something as a public service because there's a lot of confusion and I wouldn't mind clearing it up. There you go. And, uh, and it's something that only we can do. Now, I could do this myself in five minutes, but I feel if I do it with you, it'll take a little longer, but it'll be much more entertaining and you'll be able to fill in some of the blanks when it comes to the actual history of podcasting. Are you interested in, in, in this one? Well, first, let me preface it by saying that I believe that this came up on a recent yes. show yes. by the guy who has been accused of being an alien. Well, this uh, is this is Joe Rogan show. And, and the reason I'm doing this is twofold. One, because they didn't know. Uh, and of course, you know, here's four guys who uh, first they drink whiskey, then they're drinking Red Bull, then they're drinking beer, then they're smoking a blunt. I don't know if I could tell the story. It's a four hour show. <laughs> they did. It's a very long show, this particular one. But they were trying to figure out some of the genesis of podcasting. And I'll just play a little bit of because it was, you know, like five minutes. But I'll just play a bit of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, who was the first ever? Ricky I Gervais. Thought it was Corolla. Ricky Gervais. Is the first no. at what? Is that true? Ricky Gervais. First Corolla what? got into the mainstream. Well, what about um, uh, the guy from Adam Curry? Uh, the God Podfather. Was he the first? Yeah, but 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 what Keith and the girl is, was doing it for a while before like, everybody a long started. Time. Keith long the girl was a long time. Damn, we should probably establish who was first, right? Like yeah. George Washington was the first president. We're all professional comedians. Most professional politicians would be able to tell you who the first fucking president was. See, I really like that he said this because now he elevated me from podcaster to comedian. I did feel kind of good about that. No idea. We're like. Who's the first podcaster? We yeah. really don't know, right? Dude, I heard. There was internet radio. There was internet radio, and then it just became podcast. Who was, who was first between you and Marin? Marin. Him, for sure. Marin. For sure. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sure. I don't know. I'm asking. Now you know. Was, well, now you know. Why don't you stop arguing? Here's what I think. I think. <laughs> so I kind of think that. I think that Adam Curry was number one. Who's Adam Curry? Curry? Adam Curry is Am an right? ex VJ from MTV. Yeah. And he is known as the Podfather, the guy that started podcasting. I think, I think he's Ricky Gervais one. has he the first that, recognizable that model. One. I don't Adrian know Curry? his relationship history, but I think he's the he's he's Maybe a George not. Washington. Okay, Who is Adam, Adam, Adam Curry? Curry. Mm. I think he is. How, how, <laughs> see, and that's enough of it. That to me is a great comparison because you know it's like who invented podcasting. It's like who invented America. I'll just put it on that scale. Who invented America? <laughs> it should be Thomas Jefferson. Well, but, but you see, George Washington was the first president, and he's recognized as the first guy. But there's a lot of evolution that came before that, which I'd like to do that for podcasting, just so people understand for once and for all. No. The, what? They're not going to understand for once and for all. These other guys come on these podcasts, and they don't know what they're talking about. They're throwing out... Adam Carolla and Ricky Gervais is the first guy. I mean, where did that even come from? I've heard other things. I mean, it's just going to get worse and worse. We didn't get nominated for an iHeart Award of any sort. <laughs> they don't know who we are. They don't care. We have a huge audience. We have a, a successful podcast that's been going on 11 years. They're, they we're, net, we're snubbed. Shunned, shunned, snubbed. Snubbed. Well, I'm not saying – look, that's their show, and I, to be honest – I had to smoke a little weed to really get into it, but then I was really into it, and I watched quite a bit of it. But that's just their show. They don't know. They don't know. But Rogan's correct. 
it's it's a disgrace that they're a, they're one of the most successful podcasts and they don't know the origin. So he's right. It's that's disgraceful. More disgraceful was not even knowing who you are. That he does the podcast with. There's another guy who's like a science tech guy. Some guy named like Dvorak. Bob Doyle. Oh, I'm sorry, I had a Bob, Bob Doyle. Bob, no, Bob Doyle. <laughs> Doyle. Now the funny thing is, Rogan and I have communicated, and he has, he follows me on Twitter. Bob Doyle. I think this is a was it was a, uh, a, a, a what would you call it when you get back at somebody for calling them a lizard or an alien? <laughs> I think when we called Rogan an alien, you became Bob Doyle. Yeah. <laughs> I right. didn't call him an alien. It was Alex Jones who called him an alien. Exactly. Exactly. Um, okay, so I want to run through the history, and then you know we'll be talking about some technology stuff. But this will be the ultimate. We'll be done with it, and we'll never have to explain it again. What if what is put money on that? Well, I'm not going. How about this? I won't explain it again, and people can cut this out. And this will be okay, from my experience. All right, we're ta- 1999, 2000. This is how far back this really goes. I was I just moved back from New Jersey to the Netherlands, and. And the Netherlands, Amsterdam in particular, had cable modems because the Netherlands is, you know, 90% of all house, maybe even more, 98% of all scientists and households uh, have cable. So cable modems came along very quickly and they weren't blazingly fast. It was like maybe 128 kilobits or maybe 250 if you were lucky. But mm. it was it was being sold as not as broadband. It was being sold as always on. So you did not have to dial in with your modem. And, you know, so there was multimedia stuff on the web, but there was no experience. It didn't matter what. I mean, the MP3 was just coming along. We had, you know, like the Rio and stupid MP3 players that were really quite antiquated compared to what you see today. Um, So, you know, broadcasting or streaming or anything like that was, it just wasn't possible. There was no way you could do it. There were no services at the time. I don't think real audio had actually come out yet at that point. Maybe it had. In 1990, though, just as an aside, I did broadcast the Mega Music Dance Experience from the Jarbeurs in Utrecht, which was a huge dance party on the M-Bone, if you remember that. Remember the M-Bone? Yeah. (laughs) You've walked away. You've walked away from my story. I need you for color. Come back. Okay, okay, okay. I remember the M Bone. I remember a bunch of. I remember what was that crazy network that guy did? That one character that had. A, that was there the, was a bunch of crazy stuff that was going on during this era. Yeah, the and the M Bone was amazing. You know, it only worked. You could only really see it if you were at a university, but it was multicast. And so it was the exact opposite of the problem that we have, which is the more people who watch or listen, the more bandwidth it it eats. And this was kind of like a chained multicast thing. Anyway, I digress. At the same time, Napster came out. Real Audio was uh, initial releases April 95. Oh, so it was before that even. But, but, you know, I remember encoding took forever. It was no experience. So then Napster happened. And I remember... Uh, opening up my Napster client, and what was so mind-blowing about this is you could see, oh, this is some guy's computer, and you could, you know, there was, if you just were searching for a, for a song, it might show up, and you could explore his his computer, and you could start up these downloads. And, you know, you might have 10, 12 downloads going. It would take a long time because of, you know, no bandwidth. But it was always on, and the phone line wasn't tied up. And I was like, oh, this is, what if, what if I made the experience 
by changing the thinking. In other words, your computer's on the whole time. There's something you want. You want it when it's new. Let's say a new song. That's how I was thinking at the time. And But you, your computer had initiated a download, but didn't tell you it was, it was available until it actually had downloaded onto the computer and would pop up a message and say, hey, uh, I got something new. You click on it. It plays immediately. Great. Uh, great experience. So really unattended. Your computer should be doing this in the background. And I wrote a, uh, a, um, an essay about it called The Last Yard. You could probably find it. Now, at the same time, so I, so I had this in my head. I'm like, broadcasting. How do I broadcast? How do I use? How can I do this? Um, and I was like, I, I knew that there, were, there had to be a way, just like the, the the news broadcast, you have no idea how long it takes for people to put the news together and and make that hour-long show, this pre-produced packages. But when it's time, all of that just flows out to you. So it's kind of the same idea of have everything happen out of sight of the user. And at the time, Dave Weiner had just uh, become pretty well known with RSS, and he was doing his blogging software. Uh, you can read at Weiner at scripting.com. And uh, I went to New York because I, I, I felt like I could somehow work with him to use RSS. I wasn't quite sure, really. And I, we met in a hotel room. Uh, I, I don't remember why he was there. Uh, I know I went specifically. This is four nine eleven. I went specifically to meet with him about it, and I explained it. And he really brushed me off. He was like, "All right, you know, like Hollywood guy, MTV guy, shut up." Hair, v- hair, uh, yeah. You know, <laughs> I, guys who were bald really don't take to me the, right off the bat for good reason. Yeah. So hair. And then I came back the next day and I actually had some of his software and I tried and I tried to program <laughs> what I meant in his software. And, and, you know, after another 45 minutes, he says, I get it. Uh, I, you are forbidden from ever using my software again. That was horrible. So, OK, <laughs> I don't mind. And so he came up with the enclosure element in RSS. And for several years, because he had his little radio user land was his aggregator and blog publishing software. Uh, we were just sending like 100 megabyte video files back and forth. And it would show up in on my computer after it had downloaded. Uh, and I clicked it and had a great experience. So it was exactly what I envisioned. And there was then nothing happened with it until the iPod. I saw the iPod and I went, holy crap, this is not a, a jukebox. This is a radio receiver. We need to be able to put radio shows on this iPod. And I started making with an Apple script. Um, a little parser that would go look, and it was just for one feed. It would go look at an RSS feed. Is there a new item? Yes. Download it. Download the the, the MP3 file in this case. Then when it's downloaded, uh, and at the time you had your i your iPod was only you could only put stuff on it by syncing up to your computer. So the Apple script would then um, uh, trip the syncing of the iPod, and so this all happened while you didn't know it because this was you know it was polling on a recurring basis. And the experience was you picked up your iPod, there was a new radio show. I said, holy shit, this is it. And I immediately started the daily source code. The daily source code, my idea was to bring serialized radio content every single day. uh, And I called it source code because we needed receivers. We needed the reception side. So if you remember the pod catchers, they might have been called. And all of a sudden, guys started showing up um, who were doing uh applications again just you know 
podcast uh, apps called iPod or iPod or Lemon, iPod or X. It was a whole bunch of different things that were happening. It was going very, very quickly. Then I met Kevin Marks. I want to include him. Kevin Marks, who I think now works for Google. He worked for Apple. And I was having some issue with the, we learned a lot about how a podcast app works. Uh, I was having an issue and he actually sent back a, a much better functioning version of this Apple script. So he has an important part in the story because that really uh, tripped off all of this development and me doing the daily source code. And I called it source code because my only audience at that time was dudes named Ben and it was dudes at the time uh, who were building this receiving podcast software. So I was talking same audiences today. <laughs> it's basically, and some of the same people, um, and you know, so at the, at this time, and I and I I do want to say that uh, Dave Weiner, I think with Chris Leiden, have done a couple of interviews, and they put that on the RSS feed. So was that a podcast? I don't know. Was the M Bone a podcast? It's irrelevant. The idea that I propagated was you can make radio this way, and it's different. Because the radio show comes to you, it's listening by appointment. The idea of show notes, which we still call show notes, uh, was completely ideated from the from the daily source code. Um, and I also started the directory. It was called the iPodder directory. And how that worked is a whole other story. But I had the definitive directory directory of all podcasts by country by um we had it you could break it out any way you want it was kind of like a distributed database and then some guy came into the mix his name is danny gregoire and danny gregoire coined the term podcast and because we were calling it soliloquies you know all kinds of stupid things uh but he he showed up in a comment somewhere i like this podcast and so to me even though yes ben hammersley had use that word years before, before there was anything really. Danny Gregoire is the guy who used it in context. So um, they have the directory. We have all of this working. And then I get a call in around 2004, four or five. Uh, hi, it's Eddie Q from Apple. Uh, Steve Jobs wants to meet with you. Are you interested? Let me check my calendar. So I met him at, at All Things D which is outside of Quincy Jones, one of the most interesting meetings I've ever had. And he was angry and, you know, to the point where, not about me, he was angry about, uh, I don't know, oh, they fucked up Wi-Fi. Oh, this is not how I wanted it to be. He was just angry and he was yelling. But then we had an hour. <laughs> no, and I thought actually, man, you should you get sick if you were so mad like that. And we sat for an hour just chit-chatting about stuff and how, you know, the RIAA was all on his ass to, to shut down recorders that can record songs internally on the computer, you know, and so they'd been kind of saying they would and they just weren't going to do it. And it was just, it was like, wow, it's very interesting. And he said, Adam, I want to put uh, podcasting in iTunes. Is that okay? <laughs> I said, yeah, that's fantastic. And I'll give you my directory. Uh, now, he already had it all because he went right on stage a couple hours later, demoed podcasting in iOS or in the Mac, um, which is a very funny video. Go look at that on uh, on the YouTube. Um, so he already had that already. He he knew exactly what he was doing. And then came kind of the disappointment because after, you know, now podcasting launched. It's like, holy crap, we were in iTunes, we're on the iPod. And what Apple did is went straight into putting NPR bullshit everywhere. 
Of course, NPR was very instrumental. I want to say WGBH in Boston was the first PB, uh, NPR station to do anything independently. They were doing podcasts. But Apple became this directory that sounded just like everything else on the radio, which was exactly the wrong thing. That's the part that, that Steve Jobs didn't get. Because when you hear some of these different voices that is not as polished or differently polished than the radio, it's exciting. I think a lot of people went and like, Okay, that's great. I can listen to NPR. All right, great, Steve Jobs. Thank you very much. I think a lot of people missed out on what was really happening. And then there's a whole story about why podcasting fell off the radar for 10 years, which has to do with the rise of social media and YouTube, etc. But that, to the best of my recollection, is how podcasting came to be. We should clip that whole thing. Yeah, it's, it's, I think and it's put pretty... put it out as a separate little podcast. Yeah, yeah, we'll put it on the end bone. Well, actually, what we'll do is a history of podcasting. Uh, I'll do an oh, interview I with fe- you. I feel a giblet coming. <laughs> ah, well, yeah, that I too. think there's a giblet. We'll take a, a little, we'll take a uh, uh, transcript of what you just said. Uh, we'll add some more stuff to it, make it into a giblet. And we'll also do it as, clip that out and make a podcast that stands alone, a standalone podcast that says, as its name, the history of podcasting. Yeah, it's a good idea. It's a very good idea. And that will take once and for all. So if you go to Google and you go history of podcasting, this thing is going to be on the first page somewhere. And then there's the book. <laughs> is it a full on book? Or, there's only 8 million books of how podcasts. Of, no, it's about- going to be a, a giblet. It's going to be a small, short little thing. It's not going to be a long, boring book going back to 1927. It's going to be just about what you said, pretty much, and how it kind of came about and how it got named and how it got where it got and why it is not doing what you'd hoped it had done, except in a very few instances, which are all very successful. Mm-hmm. Um, well, I yeah. mean, if, if we did a full-on, I mean, we'd have and to talk be, about me, I, I, oh, the We'll co-author it. We'll co-author it, Adam Curry and Bob Doyle. <laughs> George Washington and Bob Doyle. <laughs> Oh, man. Anyway, so that kind of sets it straight, I think. But I'd love to do that. Let, let that be a project. That's our exit strategy right there. Another project Another is great, in the can. Yes. 